Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne, and I'm joined by Chris Woff. Hello, Chris. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, mate. How's tricks? Yeah, I can't complain. I can't complain. Thank you. It's a nice sunny day outside, and I'm sat in here recording a podcast, but I'm speaking to you two <laughs> lovely gentlemen, so... Of course, and as always, we are joined by the wonderful Mr. George Colgan. How are you, George? Well, I'm slightly perturbed that you haven't referred to... Captain Waffles by his uh, <laughs> proper name. Apologies, Waffles. Is it Captain or is it Sergeant? I thought it was Sergeant, but... Oh, I can't remember. Private Waffles, I think, is, did you is get more a, appropriate. Did you get a promotion this week, Chris? Is that what <laughs> No, he's been demoted. Private, private Waffles. Private Waffles. Yeah. Private I mean, Waffles a lot of sounds people much have, better. have now started calling me on Twitter, so it has become a thing as well, so... Outstanding. That is what I was hoping would happen. That's amazing. <laughs> private Waffles. Private Waffles, yes. It sounds like a very niche website that you might visit. Anyway, thanks very much for joining us, lads. I hope we're all okay. I hope we're uh, we're doing all right in our isolation inspiration stations. I had an interesting night last night. I couldn't sleep last night um, at all for whatever reason. So at three o'clock in the morning, I was on my phone and I looked at Instagram and noticed that Jonas Gutierrez was live. Um, and I spent 10 minutes watching him sing and play guitar in his front room wearing a Newcastle shirt. It was one of the most psychedelic experiences I've ever had in my life. Was he any good? (laughs) Oh, God, no, he was awful. What was he singing? Okay, that's excellent. That's excellent. That's reassuring. What was he singing? The Blade Races or something? No, he was just singing random, what sounded like sort of Argentinian folk songs. Um... Bless him. No, you know, he was doing it. That's that's all you can ask, isn't it? He was doing it. He was having a go. Um, he, you know, his. Let, I, I, I would say football was probably his natural talent, if we're going to be honest. Um, but he's, you know, you can never never have a go at somebody for picking up an instrument and having a go. That's what I say. Did he help you sleep? Absolutely. I was out like a light after that. <laughs> okay, good, good, <laughs> good. Excellent. Yeah, but I had a smile on my face for, for a good 20 minutes afterwards as well. Great oh, stuff, well, that's man. nice. And then oh, nice. the thing is, you can spot the Geordies in the comments as well, just every so often just going, Spider-Man! <laughs> it was wonderful. Anyway, current affairs, uh, current events. We had, our, uh, we had a little update on the takeover last week, George, and how things have been going with that. Is there anything else you can add to that at the moment or of things kind of exactly as they were so i want to just yeah just just sort of try and try and explain a little bit so um and i really kind of want to go back to that piece that i wrote last week and and just say that nothing has changed from that point um in this you know you talked about instagram and sort of twitter and stuff like that and um i had a bit of a uh, a doing over on twitter a kind of couple of nights ago because you know i'd said it was going to happen and you know what which you know didn't. we all believed you which i didn't but yeah. i did say it was close and those things <laughs> yeah. haven't those things haven't changed so just to sort of clarify that it's taken a year from this group to get to this point they're still at that yeah. point there's been no setback that certainly not that i'm aware of um, but the way it's put to me is that the wheels turn incredibly slowly. And I did write about that. I said that when you have on the, you know, hopefully the, the the buying side, you've got three parties. So everything has to go back to three parties. If there's any change in uh, a plan, if there's any change in a contract, if there's any change in those sorts of things. And they're enormous organization certainly the Saudi Arabian one is and so these things take a huge amount of time if there's any change on either side it has to go back to four sets of lawyers so 
that's not to say it will happen, but there hasn't been a setback and we just have to be we have to be very patient. The reason I wrote at the time I did was because my belief was it was becoming self-defeating, not writing anything, that the time had come to sort of recognise that this thing exists, these people are real, it's not a smokescreen on behalf of Mike Ashley, it's not PR on behalf of Mike Ashley, perhaps it suits his purposes for it to be in the in the public, you know, perhaps that then kind of covers up some of the, you know, Sports Direct stuff that's been happening, fine, I get that, but it's not some invention. And to to also to to sort of point out that this this was at an advanced stage now again i said the last step in some ways is the biggest one because the last step is the point where ownership starts to transfer and we're not at that yeah. point yet so yeah. but equally there's been no setback so we all very difficult though it is we have to you know we we just have to sit back and wait and let people get on with things if it doesn't happen we'll find out if it does happen it goes to the Premier League for the uh, for the director's test. As I said, that could they've been told it could take up for, to a month for that to be completed. But at some point, we'll find yeah. out. So we will find out either way. Tough though it is, we just have to we just have to sit back and and be patient. Yeah, it's a waiting game now, isn't it? It's uh, I mean we've been waiting a long time for this, but I think at the minute, like you were saying, it feels it feels closer than it's ever felt um, with regards to the information you've given us. And, but I, I, I kind of, I understand the frustration of fans and stuff as well. And Twitter is, is not Completely. exactly the place to, to explain this stuff in detail, is it? Um, when you've got limited characters and all that sort of stuff. And I get, I get, I get, there are a lot of very limited characters on Twitter. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I was a one joke. Of them. No, yes, well, yeah. I'm likewise. I'm likewise. But but, but no, yeah. no. I, I completely, I completely get it. I completely understand. I empathise. I haven't written something because I'm, you know, because I'm being clickbaity and I want sort of people to get excited and things like that. The the reason I love working for the Athletic is that you know I've not had to write anything about this at all that was the first piece i've written on the athletic i'm very lucky for who i work for if i if i still work for a paper i'll have been putting out updates to say this yeah. had happened this had, now my decision was to take a step back from that and to report something when it when when it when it became a point where it needed to be reported and i think that point has arrived that does not mean it will happen i hope it does um, because because Newcastle is crying out for you know is crying out for new ownership. Chris wrote a really good piece last week about why Newcastle you know needs new owners. We I think we all all know that, but and and about the things that a new ownership would have to look into. But you know we have to we do also have to be realistic. We have to wait, and if people are cynical, I think that's good. You know I'm cynical, so yeah. we believe it when we see it. But equally. Yeah. I think I have a duty, or I had a duty, to report what I knew at that moment. I mean, personally, I'm I'm relieved that we haven't had to read Joe, the five things we've learned about the takeover from George Colgan every day for the last, you know, six weeks or, or whatever. That to me is a relief that that sort of coverage isn't there. I'd rather read nothing and just have it chuntering on in the background than be constantly yeah. updated with nothing. If that makes sense. It because does. that's what that is, isn't it? Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Chris, I want to have a little chat to you about um, current goings on at Newcastle United. Uh, obviously, Liverpool have took the decision this week to to unfurlough their staff or, or not furlough them in the first place. I can't believe how many times I've said the word furlough this week. It's amazing. Um, but they've they've taken that choice to to go back on the decision to furlough non-playing staff. Um, it looks like Spurs are under quite a lot of pressure to do something similar, uh, and Newcastle United are still kind of pushing ahead with this. How are things looking at St James's Park at the moment? 
Yeah, well, I think that I mean, Newcastle's situation has been slightly different as well because Newcastle haven't actually come out and said anything publicly on this. There's been no actual comment from them to say that we furloughed this number of staff, where Spurs said we did it 550. I think Liverpool was about 200, was, was it what it was going to be? And obviously yeah. there's been a significant backlash with Liverpool. There's been all this stuff about they're talking about sort of more than just a club or this sort of or means more, I think, is, is there the phrase that they use. And so eventually having initially taken that decision, the owners have, have rode back on that and said that they're not going to now try and access that government money. I think there's a lot of pressure coming up on Spurs as well. Newcastle's sort of almost been forgotten about, I think, in a national sense on that level. My understanding, at least as of this morning, is that there is no uh, inclination from Newcastle to change that. It seems that Mike Ashley's made that that decision. They are working with, quote-unquote, business-critical uh, level of staff so it's basically affected the whole club I mean the, most of the media staff have, have been uh, put on furlough as have wide-ranging departments from ticketing to marketing to uh, vet to basically just about every single level you can think of it's now a skeleton staff there are still a few sort of medical and physio staff there there's still hasn't affected the first team playing squad or uh, the core first team uh, actual coaching staff but also it's gone as far as the recruitment department and the entire recruitment department, which is surprising because at Spurs, whereas they have uh, furloughed some of their recruitment staff, the chief scout is is still working. There's still a couple of others. Whereas at Newcastle, Steve Nixon, the head of recruitment, is among those to be furloughed, which is an extreme decision I think has taken a lot in the uh, scouting and agent fraternities by surprise. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, do you know what's going on with other with other clubs? Are they are they mothballing their scouting departments at the moment, or are they kind of keeping things going and, and still actively looking into players and analysing and stuff like that? Well, there was a very good piece on the Athletic over the weekend uh, from some of my colleagues about how, in general transfers and recruitment has changed and we also did a piece uh, specifically on Newcastle and how that's looking at so you can look at them for a bit more in depth but in terms of I, I, I spoke to uh, a recruitment member of staff at another Premier League club and he basically said look it, we're as busy as ever if not arguably busier because uh, agents know we're at home so they can call us and they can speak to us and they, we can have these proper yeah. chats also because we're not travelling to watch players who we have done for for so long all of us scouts for, for a specific club are at home so if we're watching a player on Wise Scout or whatever tool it may be to, to, to just see little bits and bobs we can send that between ourselves and there's a there's a quote in that uh, recruitment piece the, the athletic wide one from a um, someone in the championship someone who runs a championship club and basically saying that this is now the time where proper recruitment uh, comes to the the four and if you can get ahead of the game ahead of the the summer transfer window whenever that may be then mm. that this this should be the time to do it now Newcastle uh, will argue that that we already have uh, all of our potential targets identified and that is true there's potential Bosmans but also potential uh, signs have been looking at for a while obviously there was the likes of Bubakari Samari at um, yeah. Lille who looked at in January but the, so they will say by the time the transfer window opens, whenever it does, our staff will be back off furlough and then they'll be ready, recruitment staff will be ready to, to sort on that. But other teams seem to think, and certainly agents and, and people in recruitment staff seem to think that they can now get ahead of the game with this. They can move ahead of Newcastle. And, and if if yeah. players potentially become available who maybe you wouldn't have thought become available because a club's really isn't financial bother because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic... Newcastle won't necessarily be best placed without the recruitment staff to do that. Now it's down to Lee yeah. Charnley, managing director, who already was working with a fairly skeleton staff the way Newcastle run anyway, but now he has even fewer of those because staff being furloughed and uh, head coach Steve Bruce there. Basically, now 
it's usually a three-pronged recruitment team and at the moment it, it's going to be a two-pronged recruitment team for as long as Steve Nixon is furloughed. I mean, let's let's be honest, it wouldn't be like Newcastle to be lagging behind other Premier League clubs when it comes to transfers, would it? I mean, I think I think one thing is to say to say is that with a lot of this stuff, most of that work will have already been done or or been, you know, underway. I mean, I think in terms of sort of a, you know, looking at free transfers and things like that, that that work will be done, will have been done already and will sort of be still exist on the system and things like that. I suppose the the issue is that if an entire scouting staff are furloughed, including the chief scout, um, that things move on and things change and that yeah. the club won't be in a position to to react if they need to. Yeah. But, you know, the transfer window isn't open at the moment, so it's not as if um it's not as if they can sort of do anything, you know, actively in that sense. You know, people are people are still being active in terms of having conversations. So um yeah, a bit of a concern. But I hear Steve Bruce is um, is currently doing a bit of farming on his uh, on his Cheshire uh, farmhouse. Is that right, Chris? Actually, to to interrupt, Chris, yeah, I actually spoke to him yesterday morning. I had a brief chat with him yesterday morning, and Go for he's it, down yeah, in he's down in he's down in Cheshire, and um, yeah, he has he has a kind of farm like property down there, which he's in the process of of. Uh, doing up i mean i don't mean he's in the process of doing it up now but you know generally uh that's happening and so yeah he's getting his bit of exercise a day doing a bit of um doing a bit of sort of tractor work uh, what's he farming please please tractor work bacon. please tell me he's doing big oh yes it's, 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 yes it's 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 very much the uh, bacon picking season now so um <laughs> steve, he, he, steve bruce's he, artisanal bacon <laughs> Yes, he he, pl- he planted the rinds um, sort of in October, <laughs> November, and they're now they are now flowering, mm. sprouting, sprouting. The bacon is sprouting, so yeah, it is um, bacon season. Let's be honest. But you know, I mean, I had a chat with him about sort of, I mean, just a general chat about sort of what's going on, which is very little, um, and you know, they're awaiting developments in terms of when the you know what they do with players because you know they they. They've all been exercising at home on these training regimes, and there's, you know, again, there's concerns about if and when a season restarts, how they do that. You know, that it would normally take sort of five or six weeks of pre-season in which you would have five or six games. Um, what you do and how you, how you do it. I mean, all those things are, you know, all those things are on his mind. He's in regular contact with his coaches, and they kind of have WhatsApp WhatsApp conversations about stuff like that. And then also, you know, they're they're also very much aware of the um, you know, the the national conversation we're having at the moment about wage deferrals and wage cuts and, you know, they're they're sort of waiting awaiting guidance, but they're having having those conversations. They're not they're not unaware of it. And um, you know, um as he sort of said, you know, we're all keen to all keen to do our bit. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash Tyne and pay the postage of just four ninety five. And if that wasn't enough, as listeners to Pod on the Tyne, you'll get two extra free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe and find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. 
As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash tine to get your case free. And don't forget right now, listeners to Pot on the Tine, get two extra free beers. Let's move on, and uh, we'll, we're going to talk about the poll uh, that we put out over the last couple of days, and also if this is connected to a, a series of articles that you and Chris uh, wrote together, I believe, or private uh, waffles, independently yes. in time. Yes, private waffles. Yes, I do apologise. I, I am going to keep correcting you. Please do, because otherwise it won't go in; it won't stay. Um, I mean, I'm just confused <laughs> about what rank I am. I keep thinking, am I getting promoted or demoted? Or no. today, your private waffles. Today, I'm private. Right? We'll see how the you rest are, of this you podcast are very goes. much cannon fodder. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we've had, you've you've recently um, been looking at a series of uh, articles about Newcastle's best goals. Is this the correct title? Because there's some. I'm I'm a little bit unsure about this. Is it best goals, greatest goals, most important goals? What's the criteria for how we're qualifying this? Well, I mean, this is a very good question, and so I, in some ways, I think I should start with a slight apology, which is goes against the grain, but. Over our conversations about wow. sort of um, uh, what have we done? We've done like most best signing. What else have we talked about over the last couple of weeks? Was uh, another one as well. Best signing. We had cult heroes and cult heroes. And I kind of got a bit aggressive. I think so. I think um, what I kind of need to say is that I find this whole process very very stressful. This idea of like best worst biggest smallest. So like if anyone ever tells me, ask me, you know, what's your top ten films? What's your top five books? songs i get really it's agony it's agony to to do those sort of lists and so in football i have to like start other sections so if someone says okay top three players well what do you mean by top three do you mean top three do you think most talented because i always say if it's most talented player i've ever seen it's probably beardsley if it's favorite it might be janola if it's best it might be shearer if it's yeah so on and so forth. You know, most inspirational. Most important. Yeah. Paul Gascoigne was the person that made, you know. So I find it very stressful. So I'm making this very public apology to you, Taylor, and to Private Waffles, less sincerely. Um, and also to Char- Charlotte Robson, who was on a couple of weeks ago, and I got quite aggressive about her choice of Martin Dubravka as um, best signing. And anyway, a friend of hers listened to the podcast, which is great. Thank you, every- everyone who is listening, and said to her, that George, he's a bit of a dick, isn't he? And um, and then you two oh, were having a conversation. You. <laughs> you two were having a conversation on t- Twitter about how this conversation would go, and it was like, mm, okay, I feel like I'm, I do feel like I'm a bit of a dick. So is this no, just self realization or, or is this the, the conversation that me and Chris had um, on Twitter was basically because we thought whatever the whatever the obvious choice is for this, which I don't think there is an obvious choice in this result to be no. honest. But there you go. But whatever the obvious choice is, we we presumed you would be picking it and then defending it yeah. against every single thing that came your way. However, with that said, I don't think there is an obvious choice here, so I don't think that's going to No, happen. and I think I think our... So Chris and I did talk about the criteria. It is called best goals. And so yeah. um, we had... I mean, so if we're talking about most important goals, it becomes a very different conversation. And I had it this... Does, yeah. I, I made a case for the goal. I think it was Steve Walsh scored <laughs> an own goal um, that kept Newcastle up in the what was the second division under Kevin Keegan, and then obviously the next season they get promoted and things like that. So there were obviously lots of you know there's 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 lots of arguments to say Craig Bellamy against um, in the Challenge League. 
Feyenoord, you know, that gets Newcastle through to the second group stage of the Champions League after they've lost their first three games, the first time any team's done that. But it wasn't particularly a beautiful goal. It was definitely important, although they didn't win the Champions League. So, and of course, we don't have any goals that have won anything, like Aguero's goal for Man City. You could say that about the David Kelly goal against Portsmouth as well. Absolutely. Uh, at St James's Park. A massive, so, massive goal. So our conversation then became, okay, fine, this is about the pure beauty of an individual goal. So, yeah. and then the way that we sort of clarified it a bit further was, we'll take one from each decade of the last three decades. So it's, you know, that's that's completely and utterly ludicrous in some ways, but, you know, <laughs> something for ev- something for everyone, if you like. I mean, first of all, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get some of the honourable mentions out of the way before we go to the main three. There's some of these goals which actually are up there in my in my top three. I'll start with uh, David Ginola's goal against Ferenc Varos in the UEFA Cup at St James's Park. Now that, to me, is one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen in my life. And I was there as well. I was there. It was an astonishing goal. It's a corner. Newcastle are in the... It was the UEFA Cup, wasn't it? I think it was the third round. Yeah. And there's Newcastle won 4-0, maybe. Um, and there's a corner. Well, yeah. I, I think it's Gillespie that takes the corner. It's headed out. And the ball doesn't touch the ground. Um, no. Ginola knees it up. And then he flicks it again, and then there's that just extraordinary volley. And he then turns away, and he's got this almost like rage on his face. Um, <laughs> it was an astonishing. It was an astonishing goal. And yeah, no, I mean now that I'm, I've, I've watched that again this morning. It is an absolutely beautiful goal, and that would be a worthy winner. Technique-wise, I think I I think there's not many harder things to do than volley a ball like that. But the, the two touches that come before it as well. The little knee up and then the flick over the defender's head. I just, oh God, if you were that defender, you'd still be having nightmares about that. It's actually a terrible goalkeeping as well when you look at it again, isn't it? Because the, cor- yeah, the corner really comes in dive, and the, maybe he gets a half mark knocked off from that because it, it, yeah. it was such a terrible piece of goalkeeping. He comes out to claim the ball and he just has it in both hands and then flaps it down onto the ground and sort of almost lifts it up. So yeah, okay. So yeah, It's, it's not really Janola's fault that though, is it? It's not his fault in the slightest. No, I'm just saying. Oh, that, here we go. Here we uh, go. No, I'm no, I'm 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 using this to justify. I'm using this to justify our selection. That, yes, um, of course, of course. That that goal could have been prevented. But anyway, it's 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 magnificent, magnifique, magnifique, Monsieur Ginola. So yes, yeah, I'll, stop, I'll stop doing <laughs> well, that. Well, that mentions. I think we have to we have to give a little bit of credit to Alan Shearer here, although I know he's already got an awful lot of credit over the years, but he, on his own, could have had a could have had a top three of Newcastle's greatest goals. I'm thinking about the uh, the cushioned side foot volley against Aston Villa and the uh, the turn on Marcel Desailly and the blast into the top corner against Chelsea. That alongside of the other goal, which we'll get to in a bit. I think those could almost be classed as three of Newcastle's greatest goals on their own. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean the the Villa one probably in some ways is my favourite Shearer goal just because it the, the way he cushions it. But also, I don't think it the reason part of the reason why we, we didn't pick it and, and we'll get onto that later is is because it it sort of goes against everything you think of with Alan Shearer because Alan Shearer is yeah. about power. He's about that ability to the way he struck a ball or headed the ball, and and that was more about sort of 
precision and that so like almost like a tender touch from one side and the other and so yeah it, it, it's it's it sort of goes against a lot of the other goals he scored but for me in some ways it, it is my favorite but I don't think it's the goal that really sums up Shearer's career as, as the one that we've selected does he still hit it pretty hard I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure if I agree about that but I mean it, I mean it is it is incredible technique but he did have incredible technique and you know perhaps we remember the end of his career when he was much more of a sort of target man but at his peak he had absolutely everything yeah, Rob Lee still maintains that, that that goal was made by his pass and not by the finish, which is a very Rob Lee thing to say, let's be honest. <laughs> There's also honourable mentions out there for um, a couple of Ben Arthur goals as well. The, the goal against Bolton and the goal against Blackburn in the Cup as well. Now, personally, um, I'm, I love that goal against Bolton, but I don't think it's the greatest goal. I think I think it's an an amazing example of some of the worst defending I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Allowing a player to turn on halfway and run in a straight line. Because that's what he does. He runs in a straight line past three players, one of them being David Wheater, who gets absolutely nowhere near him and just decides oh, I've had enough and then just slides the ball into the corner of the net. It's a wonderful goal, but it's awful defending. I, I, I see where you come from, but there's one bit of that goal which I think is truly genius and you've got to watch it, sort of, sort of really watch it. It's that last touch he makes before he shoots. That little flick right. he does over the defenders, which is, is genius because if you just watch it in full flow, you can't necessarily see it, but he just dinks it so it just goes over and then he has the ability to just pass it in the in the bottom of the net. To be to have the, the wherewithal to do that and to be able to, to at full flow have him run already 60 yards or whatever he does to do that I think that that was having been off his very best I agree the defender was abysmal but I do think that was brilliant I think that Blackburn goal is they're, they're, they're both beautiful goals, and if we're going, you know, if we're going back a bit further, then how many Be- how many Peter Beasley goals could we uh, could you start thinking about yeah. that famous goal against Brighton, and then some yeah, some of mentioned. the some of the brilliant ones when he came back as a as a player? It's so difficult. It is so difficult. Um, I mean, I, te- I I think that sort of the ones that we have chosen sort of sum up the eras or the decades in in which they in which they were scored and sort of so that's become our you know that's that's part of um that's part of our criteria i think is there is there some role to play maybe in quality of opposition well i think certainly cert- certainly with these three you can argue that there is and perhaps a bit less so for the Ben Arthur ones. But the Ginola one is the kind of goal I want to take my clothes off and nestle him up in bed with. <laughs> what a wonderful mental image that is, but also quite disturbing as well. Other honourable mentions, I'll just whiz through these because I want to get on to the main, the main three. Uh, check to OEV Arsenal, obviously a very iconic uh, and important goal. Um... Lauren Robert against Fulham got mentioned a couple of times for his upside down reverse back heel swallow kick. Thing. Yes, he re- he described that as being like a ninja when I spoke to him in uh, in December. His ninja goal, yeah. Yes. Um, and also um, the Peter Beardsley v Brighton goal got mentioned a couple of times. David Kelly v Portsmouth for their importance. Um, Iose Perez v Ipswich, in which every player on the pitch touched the ball. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah Rafa nice. Benitez. Uh, a lovely, lovely goal. And of course, not forgetting um, James Perch at Old Trafford away to Man United. Um, let's on the Perez on. one, am I right in saying that, that Ipswich didn't touch the ball before? Because it, it came straight we from kick, kickoff and yeah, off. Ipswich yeah. didn't touch the ball. Yeah. And it, I think it was something ridiculous, like 20-odd passes um, before Perez uh, volleyed in at the back post. Yeah, wonderful goal. Possession. Possession. Do you remember that? 
No. It's ticky tacker. <laughs> mm. Yes, so let's move on to the main event. So we, we put the poll out a couple of days ago. We had nearly, now I'm, I'm not joking, I think this is a fantastic amount of people who voted on this. There's nearly 4,000 votes on this which is a lot. I mean, that's nearly just George's fan club on their own, which is, you know, that's an, an awful lot of people, isn't it? Um, but like we've said already, the, the voting was split really closely. And even just until sort of yesterday afternoon, the voting was still really, really close. And I think, personally speaking, I, this could have went any, any way of the three ways that it's gone. And I think on another day, each of these goals would... I reckon arguably merit winning this. I'd agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I th- definitely. Yeah, I agree with it. And yeah, the we won't. We'll do. We'll yeah. We'll talk, let's talk about them in like reverse order. But the the percentages are thirty one, thirty two, and thirty five, with two percent for others. So I think that's. I think that's. I, f- I feel quite. I mean, again, not wishing to be w- with all these things. Most of my most of my kind of hope and intention is not to be a dickhead in public, and so I think we've sort of passed that. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, you, you feel that miserably most of the time on this. You've Thank, you. Already Thank you, private private waffles. Um, I mean, you, <laughs> you're, you're right to say that, but I think I think we've kind of got it right in that sense. But yeah, I mean, thank you to everybody who's voted in that, um, and I I think we've got the order right as well. Yeah, I think when you look at how evenly those those um, percentages are split, then you have to say actually, yeah, those are the best three goals. I think. You kind of you kind of argue with argue with that definitely, but like I say, on on any given day, any one of those goals could have won this. But let's start with uh, in reverse order. We'll go with thirty one percent of the vote, and that is Papis Cisse's iconic banana shot at Stamford Bridge uh, in the two thousand eleven twelve season. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Taylor for Newcastle. Cisse has gone for it. Oh, he scored! Papi Cisse. With an unbelievable goal, Chris. Do you, so sorry, sorry. Private waffles. Would you like to take point on this? I would do. Yeah. I mean, this is. I remember watching this at the time, and and even when I watch it now, I've not. I, I can't think of another goal I've ever seen that's like it. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's become so iconic. Because I know a few people commented on the article itself at the bottom and picked out some of Cece's other goals. Because if you remember during that four-month spell after he first signed. He scored 13 and 12, I think it was, and most of those goals were absolutely brilliant. He had a string of them, the first one against Aston Villa, and then he could just go through them all. A lot of people say the one against Swansea, is second against Swansea, where he just dinks over the keeper, almost like a sort of golf wedge shot over the keeper into the top right-hand corner. But this one at Chelsea, his first goal in the game was, was phenomenal as well, and you could argue in terms of intent and, and technique was arguably better. He flicks it up again like opposite side to, to Ginola but he flicks it up and then sort of half volleys it into into the far corner but this one just I mean naturally because it's got Sean Armiobi involved as well and all great goals should should have Sean Armiobi <laughs> involved with them somewhere that's correct and so yes. the, the ball is, is thrown I think it's Ryan Dillow throws the ball and and, and then Shola chests it back and Cissé is to the left hand side of the box about 25 yards out and you can barely even see the far side of the goal, but he just swings his boot and it hits the outside of his of his right foot and it it starts to go towards it as if it's going to miss to the left hand side of the left hand post, and oh, then it's, it's, suddenly it's, it's, just it's going off. miles. It's going miles wide. He's it's yeah. it's 
he's aimed it. It's the the edge of the six yard box, and on the left hand side is where it is where it uh, starts out. And then it suddenly just it, it just arcs, and you can see all of a sudden Petr Cech, who's not that far off the line, he has a few yards off it, but suddenly just thinks, "Blooming heck, this is this is going this is going there," and he suddenly backtracks, yeah. and it finishes in the top right hand corner of the net, as in the side part of the net, in it, but inside the goal. And you can see CC is stunned, everyone on the ground stunned. You've got to watch. There's a clip of Steve Claridge on on Five Live at the time. He was caught. He was. Oh, that's the, brilliant! The, the, the that. I love that. Yeah. And he's just he I just he, he just starts making funny noises and it's and Chapman doesn't makes, know what yeah. to do. <laughs> he goes he goes oh. <laughs> Let's resolve the hidden agendas. Oh, oh, oh. Are you all right? He's doing a Gary Neville. No what, no no. You've got to see. What, just go have on. a look at this. Just have a look at this. Are you okay? And uh, and uh, earlier earlier in the year. Um, Dominic Fifield, our colleague, was out in Turkey and he he, he did an interview with CC and, and in that interview, CC says that no matter where he goes, he says, I've scored more than 160 goals in my career, but wherever I go, everyone asks me about this goal. This has become my identity. And it has been because it just is so unusual. I, I, I Every time I watch it, I still don't think it's going to take the path that it does. And it's just remarkable. And, and another reason why we selected this, and I think George will go on this a little bit more, but is essentially this was this was towards the end of the, of the fifth place season in 2011-12. In this is the, the positive aberration of the Mike Asher era, the positive aberration of the of, of essentially the 2010s that Newcastle got so close to qualifying for the Champions League. They had that brilliant season and sort of that goal typified that whole year and just in terms of A, that it dumbfounded you and B, just the brilliance of it really. You know, he, he arrived in that January, didn't he? Um did he? Yeah. Yes, he arrived yes, in that yeah, January. Did, yeah. and, 10 million pounds and, from Freiburg, I believe. Yeah, and it was one of the rare occasions that Newcastle have actually sort of strengthened um, kind of on an upward point, you know, strengthened from a position of strength as opposed to the opposite. And um, he was a great success. And of course, we got to the end of that season and Mike Ashley was then furious because they didn't finish in the Champions League position. And... Um, you know, he regarded that as he regarded that as a failure as opposed to a success, which kind of baffled all of us. Um, yeah. But sadly, is not um, is not untypical. But it that you know that season was a, it, it it was a, it was very reminiscent of Leicester season. I certainly don't mean in terms of um, uh, you know winning something or or being that good. But everything everything kind of went for Newcastle. It's not that they were lucky, but and it was it was to do with how good the you know how kind of good the team was. But when there was injury, I remember it was it was it was if 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 the correct answer to every question is James Perch to you Taylor, I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure it is in that season, isn't it? Because he he came into midfield and previously, you know he and, and he, into the defence as well and into he, the he and came into all, the def- over, all over the pitch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they they lost big players. And in you know Mike Williamson played a part. All those sort of did he? Yeah, Mike Williamson was there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm trying Mike to remember. Oh, my memory is so terrible. Well, Mike, yeah. Mike Williamson was partner in Colagini for a lot of that season. That's right. That's Mike right. And you just didn't, as he became known. That, that of year. course, of course. And you didn't. You just didn't <laughs> notice the difference, did you? Those players came in, and there was no difference. There was no, and so things went yeah. for them. And you know, it's great when you know that things are going with your team, and they're also playing decent football. Um, it's a great. It's a great feeling. One of my favourite things about the CCA goal is if you watch the clip, I've just got the clip up on YouTube and I'm just just repeating through it a few times to have a proper good look at it. But there's a reaction from Didier Drogba who stood on the sidelines um, and he just looks 
absolutely dumbfounded by what he's just watched. And Pardew is stood in front of him, kind of turns around and goes, Meh, what are you going to do? <laughs> like with that kind basically of arms he says open, to him, Pardew said afterwards that he basically mouthed to him saying, you can't do anything but applaud that, did he? He says, yeah. awesome, like, even you've got to applaud that, did he? So. It is an astonishing goal. I mean, I know I was going to make fun of Waffles for saying, every time I watch it, I think it's going to go somewhere else because that's just really stupid but it's it's actually true i mean it is actually true so i can't do that he but, he it, there's and i hate cliches but calling that a banana there's nothing else to call that apart from the banana shot it is the shape shot. of a banana playing devil's advocate here and 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 potentially upsetting people but could you could you argue the case that this is a bit of a fluke well, I think Shearer's, Alan Shearer said about that in in the piece we did. He says it was out of this world. Um, CISO calls it his best goal. I mean, I don't think so. I don't. I mean, you can make that you can make that case for for goal sometimes, but I mean, I, I just I'm not. You know, I think Cause it, sometimes it's a bit we, of a swinger, talk, isn't it? Well, when we talk about the next goal, right? The mm. person who scored it said, "If I hit a thousand of those." only one would go in. So does that mean the one that goes in as a fluke or is it is it just the perfect day? I mean, I think it's just the perfect goal on the perfect day. I mean, I think that's what it is. It's not a fluke. It's it's the result of lots of training and hard work and years and years of... But most of the time you hit one of those and it's going to go It's going to go and hit the corner flag. There's an interesting thing on this as well, I've noticed, with Peter Cech, who's, who at the time was one of the best goalkeepers in the world, when Cissé strikes the ball, as Chris said, it starts off about six or seven yards outside the left-hand post. Petacek takes three steps to his left yeah. to, yeah, to cover it's going his that near way. post. And yeah. that's why he's nowhere near the right position to keep the ball out. And then it just dips over his head. And the spin of it. Even, even it dipping over his head, he's right under the bar with his arm up in the air. Now, Petacek's not a small bloke. So the ball's still dipping in ab- above his outstretched arm and into the it almost lands in the bottom corner if you look at where it hits the net it's so strange it goes in just inside the post about two feet off the ground it's amazing it's, it's a ridiculous goal absolutely I think amazing. it's all down to the spin that Shola applies is that what it is the spin off Shola's <laughs> wardrobe chest <laughs> let's not forget Ryan Taylor's throw in as well eh? why not exactly. if, we're, if we're giving if we're giving credit out with not you <laughs> anyway let's move on the next goal um, as George has just alluded to there, uh, was a goal scored by uh, a Mr. Alan Shearer in a game versus Everton at St. James's Park. George, would you like to take point on this one? Go on. Well, if I wanted to go to bed with the Ginola goal, I think this is a goal I want to hide behind the sofa and cower from um, because it's just hit with such venom, with such force. There's a quote from Ferguson, Alex Ferguson. He's not actually talking about this goal, but he said about Alan Shearer, he hit it as if he meant to kill it. And um, I think we talked about this when we talked about Shearer the other week. And some of the goals, and, you know, the, the, the ball was an enemy for him. If the ball was on the pitch and it wasn't in the goal, it was an enemy. And there were days when you thought about that with Shearer. He was so frigging angry with that football. And... You know, you look at this goal. So it's it's a long ball forward on the left. There's a another very important Shola Ramiobi uh, interjection. Common theme. Um, King of the knockdown. King, King, King of, of the, the knockdown. knockdown. He knocks the ball back with his head and Shearer meets it with his right foot and buries it into the right-hand corner. And it is struck with so such 
force it's unbelievable now i spoke to steve harper about about this and i think we've got um a little a little clip from him haven't we yeah let's listen to that now the sound of the shira volley against everton was the was the biggest thing i mean Alan could thumb the ball but i don't know it was because the way the cushioned header sort of looped up it was almost the calm almost the crowd the sense of anticipation from the yeah. crowd of it just sort of i suppose it's like well, if you say uh, you say something you shouldn't the room seems to go quiet just before you say it and it was almost that as it headed up like he's not is he boom and of course it flew in and then so it was the contrast of the quiet the, the sound of you know if you strike a golf ball properly the yeah, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. the sound or yeah. a tennis ball yeah. the sound's different and yeah, when yeah. the pros do it it's yeah. it's different and it was the purity and of the noise of the impact followed by the euphoria of the crowd the, the sound was was phenomenal you never never forget that just the purity of the strike and the connection was I love that I love that description of the silence that preceded it I think that's yeah. that's really kind of that's great. That I, lo- I that I do love that about St James's Park. That little lull just before the ball hits the net, and then the explosion of noise. But that the the noise that the ball makes when it leaves his right boot, it's it's like a cannon being fired. It's amazing. Yeah, and and again, Harps talks about it's the sound of that perfect golf shot. It's the sound of the perfect tennis shot. You know, way where it comes off the middle of a you know of a of a club or a bat or a racket Cricket, and it just sounds different yeah it just sounds different because it's just perfect and shira like meat isn't it yeah it's and and shira himself said that you know you only do that once in a hundred times and he then clarified it you know probably once in a thousand the rest of the time it's in there it's it's high up in the stand but it was just it was just perfection and he did have he did have everything i mean this you know this was towards towards the back end of his career as opposed to the start but um the te- the technique never left him and um you know just it was just a brilliant it was it was a it was a brilliant moment and to beat I think it was Richard Wright who was in goal for Everton that day who had yeah. an astonishing game and I think he'd gone about um, four or five games without conceding as well. Shearer Shearer himself says it's his best goal, so I mean I I wouldn't argue with him about anything, but that, I, I certainly wouldn't argue with him about um, about that. It's just, but it, you know if. If the winner of of our of our poll is something very very different, it's something it's yeah. it's very deft and it's and um, some of the goals we've talked about, you know, a beautiful the technique. Shira goal and, against Villa and, the, is the, yeah, the cushioned you can say that, of the ball. You know, it's been you, correct, you can, hasn't it? Yeah, you can say that some of the these things have been gorgeous and beautiful, and that but that ball yeah. has just been smacked I mean it's been smacked <laughs> bludgeoned and the, the, wasn't it <laughs> it's been bludgeoned into the net and you know yeah. that is the end of that football but when when we sat down initially because basically we were given we were told that it's the three best goals and we were given the, the freedom essentially George and I to, to decide what the, what the criteria was going to be and before we'd settled on this this the, the, the criteria that we did and when George had mentioned that he was talking about the, the own goal one, I mean in terms of most important Shira goal it's probably not I mean I know they turned around that game and that which had been awful and it went 1-2-1 but that was sort of in, in December in a season they were doing alright in any way in terms of 
most important. You could possibly argue semi-final against uh, Sheffield United, um, as I think it was in the in the 1999 season, but also in terms of the 201st goal, again, Shola Amiobi is the, uh, the, the common theme there. But in terms of that importance <laughs> of a goal, that he, he cemented the record goal scorer for Newcastle United in that match. You could argue that's a more important goal, but in terms well, of... Well, it's personal importance goal, though, isn't it? That's personal importance. Well, I think I it's also say. club importance. I think that's a... That that's a that that is a mark which is it which it's the best that the club has ever been the best goal scorer the club has ever had and that was the moment that that record was broken so I think yeah. in terms of importance in terms of historical importance yes yeah possibly possibly I mean you know the the um you know the Bellamy goal against uh, against Feyenoord was very was very close to this Everton goal as well and of course it was I mean. Okay, historical importance, yeah, maybe. It was also the season that Newcastle finished third under Bobby, under Sir Bobby, and um, you know, that was the that was the high point of the of his kind of beautiful Indian summer. And it was a good season, you know, it was a good season. And so really from that point, Newcastle start to start to, you know, start to decline again. And um so I you know, I I kind of think back to that goal as representing something, I think. I think, you know, it represents the high point of that decade, but it represents Newcastle under under Bobby and with Shearer there, and of course Bobby coming back and revol- you know kind of revolutionising Shearer's game with those simple commands. He was so static, you know that the, the Hullet season was the worst of his career. Um, he you know he would admit that, and uh, I mean worse for him you know personally as well as professionally um not not including kind of injuries and things um and he was incredibly static he had his back to goal and she, and bobby just made him turn around and face the goal do the damage you know that's what you're good at that's what you do and um you know brought him you know kind of resurrected him as a as a sort of attacking player and um that was you know that season was the high point and it's a great it's a great memory and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I said at the start, you know, you're talking about them as sort of individual moments of beauty, but actually, n- now that I, you know, but we 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 haven't done that. We've also put them in context of what was around, um, and I think I think this is worthy because of that. So if we're talking about a goal which encapsulates a team, uh, which is iconic and which uh, uh, sort of sums up everything that a team stood for, I don't think we can get any better than our winning goal in the poll as well, uh, with 35% of the vote. Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding uh, for <laughs> Philippe Albert and his wonderful chip. Sod it, uh, I'm actually going to stand up. United I'm going to salute. Cla- I'm, I'm, go, yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm saluting. I am saluting. I am saluting. You have to say it's. I'm saluting, quite but I'm not using my hands. If you're saluting him, what rank? What rank is uh, Philippe Albert then? General. General. General Philippe. General Albert. General Albert. General Philippe. General Albert. Yeah, yeah. The Philippe Albert goal against Manchester United um, in the five nil, nineteen ninety six. The twentieth of October, indeed, nineteen ninety six, um, at St James's Park. Newcastle are already four uh, nil up. Um, in dreamland and in that game alone there's been some pretty decent goals you have to be honest that David Ginola goal in that game was a thing of beauty 
Um, the the Les Ferdinand header, which hits the bar, comes down, hits the post, looks like it's going to come out. Peter Schmeichel's, you know, all over the place and it nestles in the net is also another fantastic goal. Um, but the ball comes forward across the box. It's picked up on the right-hand side. Rob Lee plays a little one-two with David Batty and he feeds the ball back to Philippe Albert and the entire crowd in St. James's Park shouts, shoot at the same time (laughs) and what he doesn't do is he doesn't put his foot through it like a rocket he doesn't blast it in outer space um he just deftly takes a touch settles himself spots peter schmeichel about seven or eight yards off his line and just floats it over his head and um i can still remember this goal as a, a 13-year-old lad, 14-year-old lad, standing in the Ashley pub in South Shields watching this on the television um, with a half of lemonade in one hand and a bag of salt and vinegar in the other and just being absolutely astonished by it. And I, I, I love it. It is my favourite, not just my favourite Newcastle goal of all time, it's my favourite goal of all time ever by anybody. I love it so much. Yeah, it's 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 redempt. It was redemptive. It was um, it was just this moment of sort of perfection boiled down. Um, you know, again to put that into sort of put, to put it into context, the end of the season before, obviously uh, Newcastle have not won the title and have been overhauled by Man U and Manchester United had come to Newcastle and won one nil and they'd been battered. They were absolutely battered that day, but Schmeichel was extraordinary and Cantona scored. And, you know, you could feel the life sort of draining out of the team at that point. Um, and this was, this was that, this was, this was that team, but in its sort of purest and best form, they then, they then signed Shearer. They'd had a long, um, tour to the Far East and they'd come back and played played Manchester United again in their charity shield and been beaten badly and um, you know they kind of players were the players were taking the piss saying you're going to mess it up again and all that kind of stuff and then suddenly for this game it was there was you know Keegan was that kind of great man motivator it was all about go out you know you're the best player in the world in your position go out and prove it and there was there was more all the people we spoke to about this game and this goal sort of said there was there was silence in the dressing room and there was this real focus and there was real determination and there was a bit of anger and that team was an extraordinary team it was a brilliant team and they didn't win anything but this this was the trophy i think this was the trophy for that team and manchester united come back and they're just picked apart and newcastle were not just brilliant they were ruthless and um, it, you know, it was absolutely the peak of that team. Now it actually yeah. wasn't too far away from it wasn't too far away from falling apart, and you know it wouldn't be too long after this until until Keegan went. But on this day, it was just everything that we stood for, everything our team stood for, everything our city stood for, and yeah. I'll, you know, that 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 Albert girl you described it really well. Apart from apart from for one point where so Lee's got the ball, he passes it inside, blah blah. Albert, he does control it. He controls it twice, and he but then he sprints. There's actually a moment of sprinting because he right. sees this space in front in front of him, <laughs> yeah. and he think Burst he's going to sprint, and then he's going to whack it, and he and that's you know, and it was just this extraordinary moment. And the people we talked to 
the 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 keepers hated him because he would do stuff like that in training and he'd be yeah. like laughing his head off. In fact, yeah. Chris spoke to Chris spoke to Warren Barton about it, and he was he would he'd be doing all these like ridiculous long passes. He'd be bending the ball away, and he'd 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 drive Shaka uh, Hislop and, and Pav mad because he'd he'd be laughing, he'd be laughing as he did it, and then <laughs> if he'd be you laughing look at before that goal, the ball even hit the net. I think that was the yeah it, the yeah. He'd be laughing before. What was and if you if you see if you see that if you see that clip, he's running away and he's not just smiling; he's, he's laughing, laughing his head off. He's laughing his head off. And it was just that amazing feeling. We were all laughing. We were laughing our heads off. And that was our that was our trophy. It's so audacious though, isn't it? I mean, how dare he? Do you know what I mean? Against one of the best goalkeepers in the world. How dare he even have the how dare he have the gumption to try that? It's just brilliant. It's well that's it's that's the thing so in the beautiful. fact that it's not just it's not just it's it's a fact that he's so audacious, but then it, he almost ma- he makes it look like it is ridiculously simple that anyone that it's just oh yeah look I've just I've just lobbed the six foot six or whatever Peter Schmeichel this wonderful goalkeeper from however far out it, it, something that most people wouldn't even consider from where they were and against that goalkeeper and it can just, I just correct you on something Chris it's not a lob it is a chip chip it is my apologies there is a there is a difference <laughs> yes there is the there is come on go on carry on. <laughs> I'd sort of finished, and he sort of. Sort of. The, other, the, other th- the other thing, the other thing was about Albert himself, and he was such a great character. And they, you know, that again, that team, they played hard. It was that cliche. They played hard. They worked hard. They were all out on the quayside. Um, they were drinking with fans. Where among, you know, it was that sort of extraordinary feeling where you would go into a bar and the barman would start talking about players that have been in you get into a taxi they'd all have a story everyone everyone would have a story about a footballer from that team and they were kind of part of us and the city just throbbed and buzzed with it and Albert himself was this great I mean he was this big burly Belgian man with his yeah. tash and stuff like that and he looks like he looked hard but he was actually uh, he was a proper ball playing centre half yeah. I mean he he wanted he wanted to play with the football and he loved it. And yet he was also this like larger than life character who would kind of go down the local pub and play pool. And I love that story. When I interviewed Steve Howey uh, at the back end of last year, he would talk about Albert in the tunnel before matches shouting, Titsoot! Because he just loved the six, Sid, the sexist character from Viz so much, and he did love him, you know he? that's that's obviously not you know not very P PC, but um, but you know hilarious. You've you know you've got these important games going on, and there's Philippe Albert shouting titsuit in the in the tunnel, not not at women by the way, just be, just shouting just it, general. just shouting it randomly titsuit. <laughs> Um, and it was you know he was this he was this sort of extraordinary. Uh, character um, and in a, in a team absolutely full of them and and in a team full of creative players and this was the zenith this was the zenith of that team and I mean it's it's an absolutely joyous moment isn't it and it like you say it encapsulates everything that that team was about and if, if there's anything that we want to talk about at the moment it's joyous moments things like that really really put a smile on your face and I know I'm sitting here with a big stupid grin on my face watching that Albert goal again and again and again and I, I, and I know exactly what you mean George when he's running away he is laughing his tits off he is, <laughs> he is. absolutely pissing himself at what he's just done 
and why not? He absolutely deserves it completely. So the winner of our poll with uh, 35% of the vote of the new Newcastle's best goal is Philippe Albert against Manchester United. A, a worthy winner, I think we'll all agree, yeah? Very much Oh, so. definitely. Yeah, it's my favourite. Oh, I think it's my favourite. I think it's my favourite. I mean, that team, that team is the best football I'll ever see. I'll ever see in person and to my dying day I'll believe that that is the way that football can and should be played and um, you know I think I think that Newcastle team was hugely influential on the Premier League and and the way the way the Premier League developed and that was just the best day it was the best goal on the best day Absolutely. Well, I don't think we need to say any more than that. So let's wrap it up, chaps. It's been great fun. I've had such a lovely time talking to you about these fantastic goals. And of course, thank you to everyone who uh, who got involved in the poll as well and voted uh, on Twitter. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week with some more chat. And I hope you're all well out there. I hope you're good looking after yourselves, taking care of each other and make sure you're washing your hands and staying safe. Chaps, it's been fun as it always is. Thank you very much for joining us. George, hope you're well, mate. Look after yourself. Thank you. And likewise, yeah, thanks everyone for subscribing and for listening and uh, taking part. And obviously we've written about all three of those goals. So check check out those pieces on the, on the app or web if you fancy it. Absolutely. And Private Waffles, thank you again for joining us, mate. Hope you're all well. You're very welcome. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. And yes, thank, I'd just like to thank everyone who listens and, and subscribes. And I know football is certainly not the most important thing by any stretch at the moment a lot of people aren't even thinking about it but if if it's just the the slightest bit of relief from 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 what's going on at the moment i wish everyone uh safety and and, and i hope their families are well during this time take care of yourselves out there look after each other and we shall speak to you very soon thanks a lot i like a good sausage particularly a sausage on a stick as they do can we can, just sorry sorry can we sorry. That bit? Yeah. yes please that's exactly what i was going to say to our <laughs> athletic overlords please can we just clip that that's that's all I oh want that to is hear. a good sausage yes. that's all i want to hear for the rest of my life